quite amazing. Ask not what your cosplays can do for you. That's lights out and away we go. Um, I, yeah, welcome to the Haas Boys. And I am Max. Yeah. And on my front of my front of me, <laughs> looking across the desk from me, is Mike. Hello. Parker is sadly not here tonight. He's feeling a bit under the weather. And it's also been a busy week with Halloween. Um yeah. and Mike had a birthday, so happy birthday, Mike. Thank you. Um I've, I've lived one more circumference. Perfect. We love that you're living. <laughs> Thanks. I've also realized we've never started off a podcast with lights out and away we go. Yeah, what are we doing? I think we're we're above that. I wonder oh, how many other we start podcasts over? <laughs> about F one start like that. Yeah, probably all of them. Yeah, we do do shifting gears, but yeah, we do. We're that. not lights out and away we go. That's true. If we get Crofty on the episode someday, we'll have him say that for us. Yeah, I think we could get him. Yeah, I Bo- think Haas boys are out and away we go to get Crofty to get Crofty. Not like a kidnapping. But, like, just to get him to participate. We'll get him. We'll get him. <laughs> what do you mean by that, <laughs> We're going to get him. Yeah. So oh, boy. Um, yeah, so you can just have me and Mike today for the episode. Um, we're just coming straight off of the Mexico Grand Prix. Yeah. Um, but before we dive into that, how many races do we have left, Mike? Uh, there are two left after this one that but, we just watched. Okay, so we have Brazil, and is it the Abu Dhabi? Abu Dhabi, yep. Okay, those are the but, last of the calendar. But, 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 there are there is some speculation that Brazil is under threat, and that's because there has not been a uh, a peaceful transition of power between their presidents. Mm. And I've heard that uh, there is rumor that the president will step down, though he won't concede the election. Uh, so. so there's a lot of unrest in Brazil. Yeah. See, this is when politics, I start to get involved, when it messes with the F1 calendar. 100%. <laughs> I've never been more passionate about the Brazilian presidency than I am right now. <laughs> Knock it off. Yeah. I love Interlagos. I it's want a one peaceful of my transition of power because I want a Brazil Grand Prix. Exactly. <laughs> Don't take it away from us. Um, so if that does get canceled, would they find another track or would it just be a minus one race? I feel like it's, you know, kind of with a little bit of short notice. I they know that we'd be able to throw something together. Yeah. I believe that we lost Russia off the calendar this year and then it never was replaced. Mm. And so I think that that would be unfortunately what would happen. Though I would say that based on kind of what I'm seeing, it is optimistic that the race will go ahead. That's cool. All right. Well, so we're good there. Um, But now, diving back into the Mexico Grand Prix. um, Yes. I'll tell you my experience for the race, and it seems to be on par with everyone else's experience. I started by watching the grid walk, so I was like pretty early. Yeah. Martin Brundle was freely talking with everyone on the grid walk. Yeah. I don't know why America just snubs him just every can't time. Get it together. But everyone was talking with him. He found and he did bump into someone random. He's like, let's do one of my random who are you's. And yeah. she was like, I love you. I love that Brad Pitt snubbed you the other day. <laughs> yeah, I watched that. And he's like, this is my biggest fan. <laughs> it was so good actually. And then right before they were about to do like the formation lap, I fell asleep. Oh. And then I woke up at about lap 50 <laughs> when you texted me, are you watching this? <laughs> and I said, well, yeah, of course. <laughs> I, like, just, yeah, I just woke it. up. And With that, what I closed? 
And that was about <laughs> the time to wake up. Yeah, totally. That's when the race got good. And, you know, truly, I think actually that my favorite moment thus far of everything that we watched, uh, I was so excited about the mariachi F1 intro that they did. That I was, was amazing. So, I was so amped. It's just different. It, yeah. How many countries do, does Formula One visit? I was going to say, are they going to do that with every other country now? I mean, it, I feel like there's plenty of people uh-huh. that would be willing to be like, I will make one for you yeah. for China, and I'll make one for uh, you know Abu Dhabi. You'll have that this- Austin one. Doom, ch- just very Johnny Cash. <laughs> just like a little bit of a spit can. Yeah, they're thing. now under pressure to do that for every country. Yeah, I mean, I think, well, it, like, to me, that was kind of the point of where I was like, I was so surprised. I feel like the first time I've heard a different F1 score mm-hmm. has been for Mexico. Yeah. And so I was like, wow, that's so cool. Yeah. And uh, mariachi's in the blood for me. That's a family heritage thing. It was your home race. Yeah. This well, was your home track. Yeah, I guess you could say that. <laughs> I feel like maybe the Vegas one will definitely ring a little more true than that. But uh, but uh, okay, just because we're, you know, I'm kind of second generation here. I'm mm. American. But, uh, but for the descendants that came before me, they were all mariachi players. Mm-hmm. And that's what brought my family to the States from Mexico. Oh, really? It's my great, uh, my grandpa was kind of like recruited to come to the States. As, oh. or he was recruited into a band when he was pretty l- young because he was so good at playing violin. Mm, and so cool. he played in travel mariachi and then ended up playing in the States and uh, ended up staying here. So mariachi big part of my heritage and so hearing the f1 theme done in kind of that fashion just got mm, me stoked nice uh and then yes the race was a total lights out in a way we snooze mm. until about lap 50 and I, you know i feel like this track has uh a little bit of maybe some growing up to do with now some of the things that we've learned about what f1 cars how F1 cars can produce great racing. What do you mean? How does this track grow up? What do you mean? So like part of uh, Abu Dhabi's problem prior to having it changed mm-hmm. was that some of those like lower speed chicanes mm-hmm. just add for really boring racing. Hmm. There's not a lot of really good opportunities to pass because these cars are great at passing when they're at speed. Okay. Yeah. But in these kind of like 90 degree left, right chicanes they're uh, bulls in a china shop but they're china bulls and so they just yeah. you know they touch each other and it's game over gotcha yeah and so daniel ricardo which what you know we're gonna get to that yeah the action made some contact with yuki and it's like the side pod was ripped off right mm-hmm. so and it's like there's a low speed part of the track and it's like that's what happens in low speed parts of the track yeah but when you get like a big swoopy you know Monza parabolica turn. Mm-hmm. You get these really good opportunities to get a great exit and yeah. DRS and go for a pass yeah. and, and things like that. So when they changed Abu Dhabi, they made that track a lot more passing, Swoopy. racing friendly. Gotcha. And I think Mexico could use some of that. Mm. They do have some like really long straightaways at the Mexico Grand Prix. They do. Yeah. But, but there's not like a lot of great like mm. swoopy turns into those. Mm. For the most part, it's like 90 right yeah. straight away. Yeah. And then like 45 left. You know, it's like it's just kind of these really, there's nothing really sweepy and cool. So mm. I think that they could just increase the competitiveness a little. Mm. But uh, but the what makes the race usually interesting is that it's high elevation. And with the thinner air comes 
worse uh, intake. Uh, why am I? Yeah, that was air. something that they kept saying. And I don't know why I'm hearing about it at the Mexican Grand Prix. Aren't there races in like Europe that are high in the mountains? Yeah, but like the, the Red Bull home of Red Bull isn't that like? Yeah, that's a great question. I actually don't know how high. Why are they mentioning it this time? The Red Bull Ring elevation is something that I'm going to pull up. Autodromo Hermanos Rodriguez is the highest altitude ah. at 2,285 meters. So it is a pretty high elevation. And so the engines don't run as well. Um, living here in Utah, this is actually a topic of discussion pretty regularly with the local tuning community. Is it? Yeah, just because the cars can't ingest enough air they're that's They're trying to rich. breathe more oxygen. Yeah, they kind of suffocate while they're trying to produce I've the power I've seen that Talk Your episode where they climb over the mountains. Oh, yeah, in Bolivia. They, uh, yeah. Their cars can't make it. Well, I guess it's probably in Chile at that point. Yeah. But, um, or Chile, I should say. But, uh, but yeah, they basically... The cars are starving for oxygen. Hmm. The engines can't cool fast enough hmm. because there's not the density in the air. And then the brakes also can't cool. Hmm. And so we run this kind of race of like a huge struggle of like three things that are like pretty important on the car yeah. that can't perform at their optimal. Well, you think with all those things at risk, it'd be more exciting. Right. But, it, I mean, the parts I slept through, it seemed like I didn't miss anything. <laughs> you really didn't. <laughs> and like, truthfully, I feel like that was kind of the disappointment for everybody, yeah. is that typically because this is more of the track that would push the car to its limits mm-hmm. of, like, what it can do, it seemed like it just didn't actually mm. de- deliver there. Yeah. I think maybe the teams were playing it pretty safe. Yeah. Um, there was parts where George Russell was like, my tires are gone or something. And I was like, please explode. Yeah, just, just explode one tire and send him into the wall, <laughs> please. <laughs> well, and like, uh, you know, what's interesting is, do you know who uh, Giorgio, I need to know what, I, I don't remember, I can never remember his last name, but he is known in the F1 press community because what he does is he takes pictures of the latest innovations in like, aerodynamics and some of those things Mm. and then he draws them to illustrate essentially like the change in the part okay it's really cool so if you've ever seen like a cool like giorgio signed illustration of some aero bits online uh they're done by him Hmm. but his what he picked up on is when he was looking at the technical artwork for the like or, or when he was looking at ferrari's pace yeah he was like i don't think they turned it up Really? Everyone's blaming this on downforce, and he's like, I just don't think they want to run the risk with the engine. And when you think back to the Red Bull Ring, which yeah. is a high elevation track, yeah, Carlos's car caught on fire. That mm. was the track that it blew up. And so with Haas's performance, with Ferrari's performance at mm. Mexico, I have a slight feeling that there was maybe a note from Benotto to say to Haas, like, hey, we'd suggest you don't dial this up. And we should send a note back being like, hey, Benotto, shut the hell up. <laughs> Fix it <laughs> now. Fix your own team before you fix our team. Yeah. You want to make suggestions? <laughs> I suggest you make a better motor. <laughs> yeah. Why are we taking advice from this guy? Yeah. Um, but yeah, pretty pretty boring race. Boring race until Daniel Ricciardo started like doing things. And, and that was amazing to watch. It was so enjoyable. I mean, we do like Daniel Ricciardo. If he went to Haas, I would lose my mind. We would welcome the best him with, team open with arms. the best driver. Yeah. I don't know. He's, he's, he's amazing. Yeah, he's great. But we got to see him. Got to see him, like, unleashed. Doing his thing. Yeah. And I, you know, my theory is, is that because this racetrack is high elevation, because the cars don't perform the way that they're supposed to, Mm -hmm. and a topic all weekend is that the track has no grip, Mm. and the cars just kind of slip, Yeah, that it just, 
Daniel came alive. Yeah. And here's the thing that I kind of feel like defines a good racing driver. Mm-hmm. is that racing drivers who know how to perform with a car that's on a knife edge mm-hmm. are usually the best ones. Mm-hmm. And that's where Max lives. Max likes his car set up really loose, really fast. And I, I mean, I feel like usually loose is fast. So if the mm-hmm. car is like not very grippy, then it's really aggressively fast. Mm. And so it was cool to see Daniel just kind of break loose and literally and but also just be so quick. Yeah. It was like, you know, he crashed into Yuki. I you know, I don't know. Daniel in his own interview was like, "I yeah, that was my fault, but I'm not going to take all the blame for that." And I also don't blame him for feeling that yeah, way. Yeah, because there was a lot of room Yuki could have gone around the outside, but definitely. I mean, Yuki did get sent off, which allowed Daniel to just keep going. Right. And it was amazing that McLaren finally like they're like, "Yeah, just let Daniel pass, like let's give him the strategy or whatever." Right. And then he just started crushing it. He just destroyed from there on. Yeah. They gave him the 10 second penalty and it just looked like he was like, 10 seconds? Okay. I got to get 10 seconds ahead of everyone. Yeah. Great. Here, I'll here, do it. Here we go. Like, man, can we have just done this all season where we give him the priority, give him the tire and build the car around his needs right. and just let him tear everyone else apart? Well, and I, I, I'm curious if that's the problem, right? Is I, I, I don't know if, well, I guess I, I feel like the discussion a lot has been, is the car more built for Lando? Is the car more built for Daniel? Yeah. I would say it's built for Lando, but what were your what are your thoughts? I mean, I don't know. I feel like do we get the property brothers in here and see what they can do with Daniel's car? Like, are they going to throw some you know nice countertops in, some, some black accent furniture? It'd be really and, heavy. What's that? It'd be really heavy. Be, <laughs> yeah, but like <laughs> it'd be an open floor plan. Yeah, you know, and I think that that's like Daniel's style. He'd like an open floor plan. Yeah, I do not know where you're going with this. No, I, I just. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to fill it for Parker. Yeah. There's nobody to throw in. I'm, I'm too technical here. Yeah. So anyways, but no, I think. I'll worry about the jokes. Okay. Sorry. You bring I'll, the go, tech. I'll go back. Sorry. <laughs> too much H- HGTV. I'm so domesticated. I can't, I can't hang. Yeah. You homeowner. You yeah, freaking a, uh, but, uh, no, but Daniel, I, I mean, honestly, I think that in this scenario, it didn't matter how the car really performed. Hmm. It worked in this situation for him. And it, it was kind of like the arrow didn't matter. Yeah. And to I listened to a little bit of uh, Nicholas Latifi's Beyond the Grid. Yeah. And his statements that he made about kind of like the Williams and its unpredictability of, mm. you know, during practice, it consistently did one thing into a corner, like understeering. Yeah. And then during qualifying, he approaches that corner and all of a sudden the car wants to snap oversteer. Huh. And he's like, oh, well, I didn't, I didn't see that coming. Yeah, inconsistency is a killer. Right, and so if the McLaren's doing the same thing, uh-huh. then no wonder he can't deliver lap in and lap out yeah. with a car that's so inconsistent. So, yeah, again, we we acknowledge that we're Daniel Ricciardo fans. Yeah. And, I mean, genuinely, I feel like there's enough evidence to believe that he's a really solid contender yeah. in the sport. Uh, but this was such, like, a good glimpse yeah, and then they put that uh, <laughs> cockpit view shot of him like with so the good. finger gun shooting people and <laughs> so passing. Funny. I was like, I can't believe we're losing this driver from the grid next year. I'm yeah. mad about it. I'm mad that Las Vegas isn't going to have him racing at the first Las yeah, Vegas. Yeah, that seems just, ridiculous, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's insane. Well, and again, it's like uh, it, the same thing. It's it's uh, We're losing Vettel, who's given yeah. us some of the best performances over the last few races. Mm-hmm. and. 
uh, and, and just like the all the entertainment. And then Daniel, who yeah. also has given us all the entertainment at yeah. this point. And I'm like, what, what are we going to see next year? You know, we're going to be getting that great content from Lando and Lance Stroll. Ugh. George Russell is always Ugh. bringing the jokes. It's almost like I need Alex Albon to like come out of a shell that we're never expecting, yeah, and just be ironic and. Carlos funny. Sainz is is could be that guy. Mm. Yeah, who's the next funniest driver on the grid? Please send Nick in De- your it's send in Nick your answers. DeVries, who do you, you think much. is going to be the best? That's a great to question. laugh with. Yeah, at next year, who is our who's the new comic? Yeah, who's the new fun guy? Is it Charles? He is hilarious. <laughs> I guess Yuki is really there to pick us up. Yeah, is he's he's not driving next year, is he? No, Yuki's got a deal for next year. Oh, okay, okay. But Yuki and Pierre's relationship is really funny. Yeah, Red Bull. I mean, they're kinda, I, their whole marketing stuff does great at bringing their teams into like funny situations. Totally. Yeah. And Pierre and Yuki have both been a like a good pair together. Mm-hmm. Uh, because they're just so like the unlikeliest friends. Mm-hmm. We'll just say, it just, <laughs> just doesn't. Yeah, Pierre's such like a like he actually looks like he would wear Alpha Tauri constantly. Mm-hmm. Like that would yeah. be like his vibe. It's like a yeah, it's based on him. Yeah, and then like Yuki, you're just kind of like, hey, I mean, it doesn't look <laughs> bad on you, but it's like super fashion and easy. We're just gonna have to know? rely a lot more on Gunter, honestly. Right, he's bringing the he's always bringing the gold, dude. Right. Yeah. He's yeah, a, a lot, a lot of burdens on his shoulders next year. Well, and I, you actually, you know what? You bring up a good point, and I think that this is another thing that we should just quickly touch. Yeah, on. it's getting to Haas. If you haven't listened to Yen Magnuson's Beyond the Grid, and if Kev, you've listened, Kevin's dad, Kevin's dad, and if you've listened to Kevin's Beyond the Grid, mm-hmm. I was like, dude, these guys are the same person, really. Uh, I was like, they're like the mannerisms of how they deliver huh. jokes when they swear. Mm. Things are just like, they're the same. Yeah. I was like, wow, this is so crazy. I'm listening to old Kevin. <laughs> and, uh, but Yen's awesome. Super just like a bad A. Yeah. Just like chill dude. And I, I feel like anyone would be so amped to have him as a dad bringing you up and getting you into the sport and all that stuff. So yeah. I feel like. Now knowing Kevin's background, I'm like, it makes a lot of sense why he's so cool. Yeah. And like calm and collected. Yeah. But I do think Kevin has like a good sense of humor because yeah. Kevin and Gucci together are a good tag we team. We just don't really see much of the Haas boys being like out- outspoken. Right. Um, but we do have a lot of more sponsors coming in next year. Yes. That's amazing. I'm so excited about it. Which is going to bring up our car's performance. A lot more merch. Uh, yeah. Gunter's going to be driving a better car, <laughs> which we love to see. Yes. Um, He's going to move up to a DeVille, a Coupe DeVille. It's going to be necessary because I think we were talking about it earlier that now that Red Bull has proven cost budget caps don't matter, They're we're going to need a lot more money. A lot more money. It is... <laughs> <laughs> it is beyond me at this point. Yeah, Mike is livid. We had a a fan, Caleb. Yeah, he sent in some videos, um, and this is what he had to say. Boss boys, okay. Uh, this is my fresh reaction to the big fine that Red Bull got. Um, it's 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 stupid. It means absolutely nothing. Seven million dollars to Red Bull uh, is chump change. First of all. Um, and then 10 mil, like, like not 10 minutes, 10%, 10% reduction time. 
like per hour that's only six minutes like oh yeah we gotta we gotta that's just okay so blow cost caps out of the water that was an absolute waste of time he nailed that yeah i mean it doesn't even matter anymore my sentiments exactly <laughs> it's the worst it's the worst so mike could you briefly like tell us for those of us who don't really know like quick overview red bull what they did and what their punishment was and how it happened or whatever right so i mean let's put it into simple terms when uh, in any last sp- was it started last year the cost cap right so the last year they decided that they wanted to implement the cost cap and when they did that the cost cap was going to not be the full budget that they had for this season so they they cut it back even more because of covid to make it so that they didn't overly complicate the cars mm. for the last season of the regulations. Mm. They're like, because if you spend an entire budget building a car, what a waste of time and money for every team that's going to have to just throw it away next yeah, season. just bin it. And so they came up with that plan, and I believe it was something around like 125 or 145 million. So is that, let's say, let's the say budget it's like cap. 145 million. Yeah, we'll say 145 million. And... Then with that budget, they had to stay within it for everything that they have. Does that that includes paying drivers? No. Okay. Driver so it's just for like included. car development, car development, engines, and like team expenses. So like team expenses, your, all of your like employees. Oh. And like business expense. So oh. like, if you had too much printer paper, like that's things that are like wow. literally being factored in. Holy cow! And so, because driver salaries, like Lewis Hamilton, can be in excess of fifty million, yeah, per season, then it would be your entire budget. You wouldn't yeah. have a race car. Yeah. So, well, because George is like eighty-five million, he's that he's worth it. He's, so, can you imagine main for Lewis and George Russell? I, for a second, <laughs> I was looking at you, and I'm like, is he really? <laughs> And I was like, wait, who am I talking to? Why would I George think that? George begged to get on that team. Yeah. He was like, I actually took 85 million uh Oh, could you tell them that to get I'm here. being paid 95 million? <laughs> Just tell them. But I'll, in reality, I'll be paying you. Yeah. Please, sir, I want some car. <laughs> I want to go, go faster than the Williams. Please, sir, I want some pace. Yeah. I have to, I have to prove to my girlfriend <laughs> that I'm supposed to be here. Okay, anyway. She's going to break up with me. <laughs> So they have a cost cap. So they have a cost cap, and uh, George is a big part of it. No, I'm just kidding. Sorry, I get hung up on this. But Red Bull, it was recently that they kind of like added up all the budgets, right? And and and, and went through it for 2022. the The budget is 200 million. Mm. And in the past, these teams, Mercedes, Red Bull, Ferrari, have been known to be able to spend upwards of 400 million mm-hmm. for one season. So we're talking half a billion dollars yeah. to develop a car and all the things that come with it. Wow. So when they introduced the budget cap, the the main thing and the, the probably the saddest part of this is that you we essentially caused a economic depression or recession within Formula 1 because all these teams had to lay a bunch of people off. Yeah. It's like, well, we can't afford to have these massive buildings floors filled of people developing yeah arrow and whatever mm-hmm. we're gonna have to narrow that down and so a bunch of people got made redundant yeah and that's also means that it kind of dispersed them among the teams yeah so there's some value in that but, but then red bull got caught going over right and so this is where the bummer to me is so for a couple of reasons red bull overspent and yeah. christian was quick to be like well our catering budget was too high 
And, and we and we made jokes about Charleston shoes being purchased, like, and that was the overspending, right. like. Right, but I keep wondering. I'm like, was there? I, I'm like, let me see that menu really quick, Craig, yeah. Christian. Could you pass that here? <laughs> is that it? Yeah. What's it, what is an MGUH meatball sandwich? Mm. And why is it twenty? <laughs> why is it twenty million dollars? Yeah. yeah. And, and so it was the table that they served their food on was the car. Right, and actually, funny enough, Aston Martin's overspend because mm. they were also found guilty of the same thing. Yeah. But Aston Martin's overspend was chalked up to desks and chairs well lance and lawrence need all those chairs he's a big guy (laughs) and they probably have a desk that if we're serious it's made of rich mahogany oh for sure velour it's (laughs) it's just green velour it's not a lifetime sports fold-out table (laughs) um so anyway like so the punishment that's what we've been waiting for the past week or so was what is going to happen because we even talked previously how like is Red Bull going to lose its championship last year? Is right. that going to be taken away? Right. And was it going to be a public spanking? What yeah. was it going to be? That, so what happened? Well, Ross Braun, when they introduced the budget cap, said that the only punishment fit yeah. for a team that breaks the budget cap yeah. is to be denied their championship and to be disqualified. Yeah. And so when they announced, and hear me out. That's like, why we were worried. Yeah. And you and I and Parker... Yeah, we watched the end of last year cheering for Max because it was just a change of pace. Yeah, it was. We're like a different champion. Yeah, would just feel great. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I feel like we've become the one thing we swore to destroy this season, where yeah. Max has dominated and yeah. ran away with the championship, and broken the record for number of wins. But the but the reality was is as we were watching last season, it was like we we did want change. However, like knowing that this was like a predetermined result that they had hyped up saying that the punishment has to fit the crime. Mm-hmm. You can't break the budget cap. It's that serious. Yeah. And then to be so underwhelmed, I guess, with the result, which was a penalty of $7 million fine mm. to pay to the FIA. Yeah. And a, a deduction in their wind tunnel yeah. development. That's it. That's it. That is ridiculous. It's and chump change. It's chump change when you consider that they were spending four hundred million a season. Fetching days, yeah. And they were they spent one hundred and forty five. Yeah. And now seven million is all they had to pay in a fine. Yeah, just that's add a that cost to doing business. That's I mean, yeah, exactly. That's just add that into the budget for next year. We'll go over and we'll just like pay off the fine. Yeah, like it that's just a, becomes unlimited budget again. To those guys, it really is like a run to Taco Bell. Like it's it's seven million dollars isn't going to yeah. make or break their season. Yeah, and especially again where your budget was used to being more than double what yeah was being spent, then seven million's a splash in the pan. Mm-hmm. Is it one of the most extensive, like fines, like one of the highest fines in the sports history? No. Yeah, it is We've the second highest. It. Oh, b- behind the ninety million dollar <laughs> behind <one>. <laughs> behind <laughs> McLaren's infamous hundred million dollar fine, <laughs> it's second, and so it is an expensive fine. But when we're yeah. considering what it meant, they won a championship, mm. and if it meant that you're paying somebody seven million dollars to guarantee yourself that spot. Yeah, it was worth it. I mean, I mean, this just means the next year, like we said, like everyone's gonna be like, okay, well, we can we can breach the gap, right? And we can just pay the fine and go for it. Yeah, Toto. Annoying. Toto says that it's too much of a fine for Red Bull and too little for everyone else. Mm. And essentially, being that like it, it's definitely too much of a fine for 
Haas, if yeah. Haas overspent and they got yeah. a seven million dollar fine, it would be brutal. Yeah, Alpha, Alpha Tauri, any of those teams, yeah. Sauber. But Aston Martin, theirs was a little fine. Right, wasn't theirs like three hundred thousand or something? Yeah, nothing huge. Yeah, they do it in proportion to the team. <laughs> and their ego. Yeah, but I mean, I think that's that's kind of the thing is that with like, I mean, go ahead and pen it, punish Lawrence Stroll all you want, and Kevin will kick and scream until he's blue in the face on this one but the truth is is that like even 300,000 really didn't do much to Aston Martin yeah and although they're not winning or competing for podiums Mm -hmm. you know still not a huge investment yeah so I don't know because to me there is the severity of taking a championship away seems extreme Mm -hmm. yeah but a seven million dollar fine doesn't seem to actually fix anything yeah so I feel like there has to be a better solution moving forward uh, because this is that's it just seems like a load of crap. Yeah, I mean, what do you do? Do you what else could happen? Could you disqualify them for a year? I mean, I think that it could be as severe as maybe uh, eliminating some of the money that they got for being constructor championship second. Mm. Maybe they are moved down a tier, maybe that means mm. they get a, less of a payout. Mm. And maybe that money isn't dispersed to the team until they have the budgets counted. Mm. Maybe there's something there. Hmm. But when you're second, third, or first, that's hundreds of millions of dollars on the table that we're talking. So if you get moved down, just like a driver gets moved down in five-second penalty, it's a brutal, it's a brutal blow. (laughs) Oh, man. That's crazy. Speaking speaking of penalty drivers, didn't Alonso get reinstated back? Up? They <laughs> took did. his penalty back. Yeah, they were like, <laughs> "Wait a minute." So we lied about how much time Haas had to launch the protest. So yeah, Alonso, you can have it back. They're insane. Everyone's insane in Formula One. Yep. Um, but shifting gears, we have a fun question from Caleb, who we played that clip from earlier. So with new teams kind of coming into the sport, we have Audi coming in into 2026. Yep. He's like, should Porsche come to us? Should like, should we have a Porsche engine? Right. Or another option is like, why don't we have a Ford engine? Maybe even Dodge engine. Like, yeah. Is that ever a possibility? Fordula one. Yeah. I mean, that would be a huge manufacturer to get into the sport. Well, and they were. Right, so they have participated in this. I don't know. They were, were they? So Ford was in the sport. They were, (laughs) Um, and then multiple times. But Ford and Cosworth in Europe had a partnership for years, and uh, developed a lot of really high performance racing engines. Mm. And uh, they were competitive in a lot of different disciplines, rally and Formula One, and and Mm. and so. uh, But Ford has not been in the sport for some time. And, uh, and so there's definitely an element of like, could, could they come back totally? And I think now would be the best time that they could, especially to Caleb's point with the four GT, they developed this, uh, you know, insanely awesome twin turbo V6. The F1 engine is a single turbo, single, single turbo hybrid V6, Mm. Uh, but it's still the basis of the same technology. It seems like it would be a great option. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that like to some degree that like being Haas and the Ford and all these things would be kind of awesome. But also yeah. I, I kind of love that like the Americans can also be realistic and be like, Hey, like, yeah, we'll run a Porsche engine. Yeah. Is every time I hear about like Audi coming into the sport or Porsche 
possibly coming into the sport. I think, is their engine going to be just light years behind what the current manufacturers are doing? Or are these manufacturers, because I know Porsche has its racing teams. I know Audi has cars that they race. Are they developing their own engines? And would they be that far behind when they came into the sport? Well, that's part of the reason why they waited till 2026 to join is because the engine regulations change. Mm. And at that point, they're jumping into the mix with kind of a little bit more of a blank slate Mm. with everyone um, than when Honda jumped in. Mm. And Honda got kind of eaten alive in the turbo hybrid era to begin with, with Mm. McLaren, uh, because their collaboration didn't really go well, but the engines really suffered in reliability. And one of the things that Ford and Audi expressed when they wanted to come into the sport was that there was certain parts Mm. that were being produced for F1 that they didn't A, see as really relevant, and B, that they didn't really have interest in participating in. Hmm. And so they eliminated those for 2026, Uh. and that's part of the rule change. And so that will change for everyone, and that will put reliability up in the air for every team. Exciting. Yeah, which is going to be cool. It's a, another opportunity to kind of reset the, the field yeah. once we're four years into the aero regulation. Mm-hmm. So cool opportunity to kind of see another reshuffle yeah. one more time. Uh, so, I'm, I mean, I think that that's going to be cool. But yeah, like, you know, to kind of even go back to this, you know, Penske is kind of one, known as one of America's greatest racing names. Mm-hmm. He owns a lot of race racetracks. He ended up buying IndyCar. He actually owns it now. Mm. He has an IndyCar team. But Penske-Porsche is a partnership that goes back a really long time. Hmm. And they used to race like the Can-Am series. And they have a lot of really cool heritage in the kind of endurance racing and all that stuff. So Porsche in in America as a racing bloodline is totally a thing, Mm. you know? And so I love the suggestion of it. I love the suggestion of Ford. I think either would be super cool. Yeah. And obviously I don't hate Ferrari either. Yeah. So I'm like, you know, if there's a better engine than Bonotto's, I'll take it. Yeah. I mean, but if we're just going by the amount of emblems on the wall here. I don't see very many Ferrari emblems, but I do see three Porsche ones right there. Yeah, all in one <laughs> spot too. <laughs> yeah, okay. So I'm guilty of having a little bit of Porsche favoritism fans. here. Yeah, but yeah, it'd be fun. It'd be fun to kind of mix it up with different engine manufacturers for sure. Definitely. And yeah, that'd be great. And I look at I look at Porsche and knowing that the Red Bull deal fell through, and a lot of people are saying, "Where is Porsche going to land?" And there is some talk around that. And I, I honestly am curious if Andretti is working with them mm. because I know Andretti's so keen on getting in. Yeah. And they were talking to Renault and Alpine and trying to figure out something there. But that, you know, partnering with Porsche might be their best route. Yeah. If they can swing it. Cool. Well, yeah, great question. We love the comments, questions, and suggestions. So thanks, Caleb, for sending those in. <laughs> Again, thanks for sending your questions. If you have some, please send them in. We try to get to all of them. Sometimes we miss a few. But if you feel like yours needs to get answered and hasn't been answered, send it in again. We'd love to hear it. Um, please rate us on Spotify. Share us with your friends. Um, and, yeah, as always, thanks for listening to the Haas Boys. I'm probably going to use that closer, but I have a question for you that I'm going to ingest oh, okay, yeah. backwards. Let's do it. What do you, what do you want to see out of the next two races? What do you think would make it just interesting for you to watch? Well, right now I am 
of course, watching Haas closely, I want them to beat Alphatari in the points. Yeah. They're ahead of them by like two points right now. It's really close. Super close. I would also think it was amazing if they landed ahead of who's right above them. I want to say. Is it Aston Martin? Aston Martin. I don't think it's Alpha because Alpha's done pretty good. Yeah. They've been pretty consistent. Well, we're above Alpha in the standings. We are? Yeah. We're like two points ahead of them. And then I think it might be Aston Martin because below Alpha Atari might be Williams. Uh, yeah, it's probably Aston then. I mean, I would love for Haas to close the gap in the next two races and overtake Aston Martins in the standing. I think that's realistic and that would be fun to watch. Oh, I was saying Alpha Romeo. Sorry, I didn't mean oh. Alpha Tari. Okay, yeah. But yeah, you're right. Aston Martin is the team that yeah, we're, I we're think, closest to. I think Haas could overtake Aston Martin. I think Aston Martin could have a few bad races. We could have some good ones, and that would shake it up a bit. Yeah. I would love to see that. Yeah, totally. Well, and again, as like kind of our maybe just a small pitch it towards the next race, Brazil mm-hmm. is it usually delivers. It does it. It's just a great racetrack because there are a lot of kind of banked turns mm-hmm. and some of that not so slow racetrack fun and so i think that there could be some really good overtaking yeah and some good battles for the lead and there's usually some drama mm-hmm. and so we look forward to some teammates crashing into each other yeah this isn't a hint at sebastian and charles or anything <laughs> but uh yeah anyways i look forward to it yeah i'm also just stoked that um this time last year haas is just the worst Right. And it was so sad to see this like fun team and Gunter Steiner working his hardest just to like have this team miles behind everyone. They didn't have any points, right? No points. N- nothing. Yeah, it was sad. And to, to be where we are right now is just so exciting to look back at the year we've had. It's like this is so fun. Right. And especially even just to see like I could you imagine like I like I'm sure that it's disappointing that we've had a couple of bad races, mm-hmm. but like uh, in comparison to last year, like Mick probably is like, no, this was a lot more fun. Yeah. Like I raced with Vettel. Yeah. I wasn't just like watching from the back. Uh-huh. I got to go wheel to wheel with everyone. Yeah, for I, sure. And so it is, it's been super cool. And I know Mick is still up in the air whether or not he's going to be racing for Haas next year. Right. There's just no real word, I guess, coming out. Right. Um, and like I, you know, it'd be great to see him in the seat still. I don't, I don't mind if he's still there. Like we kind of, we talk about like other people that might fill that seat. Holkenberg, maybe Daniel Ricardo is a long shot or whatever, but like Mick right. would still be a great addition to the team. I, I like him. Yeah. And I think that to your point, it's exactly how it's been. Mm-hmm. The, like the second season almost feels like a first season. Yeah. And it's like, well, last year was a good, like, Hey, the car's fast, but also it slides and crashes really easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, also welcome to this new car that drives completely different Mm -hmm. and relearn that and uh, don't crash it Mm -hmm. and it's like of course he had accidents there's a lot to learn from this season so I mean I think I'm I'm cheering for him Mm -hmm. we're all cheering for him these next two races let's really prove it and Mick let's lock you into a seat for next year yeah Um, also want to give a big not a big. Also want to give just like a shout out to our friend Henry Wallace or oh, Wallace. Yeah. He has his own podcast, a video podcast on YouTube called The Haas Chap. It's so, a, it, it, Max. What? He's British. He is British. Yeah, it's The Haas Chap. Oh, okay. Because they don't say Haas Oi. over there. Oi. <laughs> what is that? I'm, I'm the horse chop. I think I nailed Henry's accent. Yeah, he's going to be deeply Oi, offended. I'm the by horse this. chop. He's like, did they plug me? <laughs> 
But when they plugged me, they did the worst impersonation ever. If you need more Haas material, he has quick, they're kind of seven minute long videos. Go check him out. Amazing stuff. Yeah. Because uh, he's always plugging us and we love our listeners. Yeah. We love our people that like. Uh, fellow Haas boys. Yeah, fellow Haas boys. So if you need some more Haas entertainment, check him out. Other than that, share us, like us, send us gifts that you like. GIF gifts. Yeah. We don't need gifts. Yeah, we don't need. You could send us you gifts. You can send us, but we're not begging for people to send us things. No, I mean, I saw someone crocheted a doll that looked like Vettel, and I wasn't jealous. <laughs> We've been trying to make our own Haas fan art. Yeah. And I've been deep in the weeds. Yeah. We'll, I'll be able to share some soon. Yeah, I was really hoping that Haas would reshare our wanted poster that you made. It was really good. Yeah. I don't oh, know. It's, it's just a gamble whether those things will take off, you know? Yeah, it's whether or not they just like our podcast or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're rambling now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> thanks for listening. Yes. Have a good week. Bye. Bye. Okay, so blow cost caps out of the water. That was an absolute waste of time.